pleasures set sail. Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to Know in Certain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of January 13th, 2022. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. Across the country, seven states held primaries on Tuesday, June 7th, and an armada of U.S. term limits pledge signers are now advancing to the general elections. What does this mean for the Congressional Term Limits Project in November and next year's legislative sessions? Let's talk to Nick Tombalides, Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits, for more detail. Hey, Nick. Hey, Phil. Welcome back. Okay, so this last week on Tuesday, we had Election Day. Seven states had primaries and special elections. And, of course, as always, we're involved in some of those. What's the big picture? What's the headline out of Tuesday for us? Well, several of these states were heavy hitter states for U.S. term limits, places where we're focusing heavily. We've got a strong pro-term limits presence that's been built in these states. Um, And I would say the two biggest ones there were South Dakota and Montana. Overall, it was a a successful week. 88 signers of the U.S. term limits state pledge and an additional 16 signers of the congressional pledge advanced to either a runoff or the general election. Oh, that's great. Okay, let's talk about the the, uh, states first. Um, And let's be clear, too. The pledges we're talking about are pledges that uh, politicians sign. At the state level, they say basically that uh, if I'm elected re-elected that I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the uh, resolution in the state legislature to call for a Article 5 amendment writing convention limited to the subject of term limits. That's right. Yep. Those are term limit convention pledges for state legislators, and then there were a, a smaller number of uh, of those who had signed the congressional pledge who moved forward in their primary. Okay, great. So what's the best state? Let's start with that. Well, it's it's pretty close between South Dakota and Montana, but I think we should start with South Dakota because there you saw 33 signers of the term limit convention pledge who are headed to the general election. And um, in districts where U.S. term limits conducted citizen education, where we sent mail out to people who live in these districts, the pro-term limit candidate went eight and three. Uh, So... Good winning percentage, right? Not a bad record. Uh, right. If the Marlins had a winning percentage that good, they wouldn't have to sell off the team every oh, year. Oh, come right? on. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I always All have right. to slip in a little dig at the Marlins. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it was very good. It was very good. Yeah, 33 signers advancing to the general election in South Dakota. Okay, that's great, Nick. Now, of course, we lost some, too. Any uh, any stories? Yeah, it, it, you know, it wasn't all positive. Uh, we don't sugarcoat anything here. There was one big race featuring an incumbent uh, Senator, Lee Schoenbeck, who is probably, you know, I, I would generously describe him as one of the worst legislators in America. Uh, this guy, <laughs> he, he hates term limits. He hates the he convention. Oh, when, when he was first elected back in 1995, you could get a gallon of gas for a buck. So this is the prototypical career politician who has gamed the system, who has found a way to circumvent the South Dakota term limits law, and uh, he he ceased being effective decades ago, but he keeps getting reelected because people know the brand name, and uh, he was reelected in the primary by around 500 votes. So it was 
It was very close. Um, I know Convention of States project was telling voters how bad this guy is. U.S. term limits was telling them, but uh, uh, Lee Schoenbeck is like the Pac-Man. He just gobbled up those lobbyist dollars like the arcade game, and uh, he was reelected, and he's going to be a, a little bit of a thorn in everyone's side for the next two years. But look, that's one setback. On the whole, it was a good night for U.S. term limits in South Dakota. The pledge signers won several dozen races, so it, it was a good night across the board. Sure it was. What about Montana? Uh, Montana was good. We had the uh, same number, actually. 33 pledge signers advanced to the general election there, and that's not counting one congressman there, Matt Rosendale, and and uh, Ryan Zinke, who's a former congressman who won his primary. So successful on the congressional front, successful on the state legislative level moving forward. We did do some citizen education in Montana, and in those districts where we sent mail, the pledge signers went 8-2. and two. That's an 800 winning percentage. We will we will take that. Um, sure, we will. Yeah. All right. What what when you say uh, education, uh, voter education? What exactly are we telling them? What are we sending out there? So, if you are in a district where we have decided to send some uh, citizen education mail pieces, you will get several postcards sent to your house that tell you which candidates have signed the U.S. term limits pledge and which ones have refused. To sign the pledge and, and typically there'll be like a, a comedic message on there like diapers and politicians need to be changed often for the same reason and it just helps voters make a more informed decision and helps them know who are the good guys on term limits and, and who are the bad guys yeah okay now we get it we collect these pledges and that of course will inform our choice of targets uh for trying to get the tournaments convention resolutions passed next year. So I guess with these successes, it looks like that uh, Montana and South Dakota might be on the shortlist for uh, for targeting next year. Am I right? Yes, exactly. Uh, what we're seeing with this is constant growth. And when you get more pledges, uh, that means more term limit champions are going to get elected to state houses. You have to remember in places like Montana and South Dakota, these are pretty much Republican dominated states which means if you win a Republican primary in most of these cases, that means you're going to win the general election because it's it's going to be a Republican district. And so in this wave election, that's going to mean more term limits champions who are getting elected in these state houses, getting sworn in, and they're going to do the good work of, of helping pass term limits convention in the next session. Okay. I know we had two big successes this year. In Wisconsin and in Missouri, we both passed the tournaments convention uh, resolutions. And uh, what kind of role did these pledgers play? I guess what I'm trying to get at is trying to demonstrate to our listeners the uh, value of getting these politicians in office that have made this pledge. They were the leaders in those states. The pledge signers were the tip of the spear. They were the lead sponsors on term limits convention in those states. They were the prime co-sponsors. You know, they were the committee chairs and committee members who voted to advance the bill. And then ultimately, they were the people who spoke out in favor of it on the floor and helped carry it to the finish line. So, yeah, it, the pledge signers in every single state are indispensable. It goes back to, you know, when we founded this whole thing with term limits convention. You remember in the Florida legislature, 
we had that core group of people, the pledge signers, that we could always rely on to support the bill, that we could always call on to, you know, twist some arms with their colleagues whenever it was needed. Um, Larry Metz was one of them, our sponsor in the House, Aaron Bean in the Senate, John Wood in the House. I mean, there were so many good guys. These are like term limits Hall of Famers, and they started out by just signing the pledge, and then they then they became true champions uh, shortly after that. So we're hoping to see that same effect duplicated in places like Montana and South Dakota. This is a public service announcement. In 2019, hearings were held on the Congressional Term Limits Amendment before the U.S. Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution. Testifying in favor of the resolution, was a former U.S. Senator Jim DeMint of South Carolina, who retired from the Senate in 2012 after eight years. At the time, DeMint explained that he thought he would be more effective as an advocate outside the U.S. Senate. I never intended to be a career politician, he told Politico at the time. In his Senate testimony, DeMint shares some personal experiences that informed his support for congressional term limits. The most resistance we had from Balancing the budget over a 10-year period, was, was, it was from all the senior members, particularly the appropriators in the Senate, including and especially the Republican leadership. Uh, it was just such a good example of a wave of new people who came in with, fresh from the campaign uh, trail where they made all these promises and commitments to people and they came with vision and just love for the country. But everyone told them immediately that their expectations were too high. And that's what this place does to you. It dumbs down your expectation within weeks of getting here. And the nexus of power and reward is all from seniority, the fundraising gets more, the special interests get behind you, and then you have more control of the communications. And if you are trying to cut spending, like if I had to give you one thing, it would be we've got to balance the budget. We, we cannot keep spending more than we're bringing in. But cutting anything in Washington has so much punishment associated with it by every constituent of every program that no reasonable person is going to keep doing that. Um, if, if you, you're either going to go home or you're going to get unelected. And so we've got all the incentives in place here to destroy our country. I think one of the only ways to change those incentives is to bring new people up here who know they're going to be here for a short period and they're going to give it everything they've got for their country, and one way or another they're going to go home. Uh, but if they're fighting for a lifetime career, they're going to do what all of you have suggested right away, the calculus of what do I have to do to stay here. And it's to do something up here and pretend to be something else back home. That's the game. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about the U.S. Congress, because there were also primaries held on Tuesday for candidates for the U.S. Congress. And we always ask every incumbent and challenger across the country to sign a congressional tournament's pledge at the federal level, basically saying that if I'm elected or reelected, then I will uh, co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. Tournaments uh, Amendment. And so what's the, what's the headline there? How do we do at the congressional level? Uh, congressional level did very well. We've got uh, 16 congressional pledge signers who were advancing. And um, you know, we saw congressional signers advancing in states where there were no uh, state legislative elections, like in Mississippi, for example. You know, we had four congressional pledge signers advance to the general election 
because Mississippi did have congressional elections this year, but they didn't have state legislative elections. So we saw progress there. You know, we've got three signers in California of the congressional pledge. We've got the two in Montana that I mentioned. We've even got a few in New Jersey, which you don't exactly think of as a hotbed of term limits, but we've got a few uh, big name signers in New Jersey as well. So, you know, the congressional strategy, getting congressional pledges remains super important because there may come a time as we inch closer and closer to the term limits convention that Congress gets the the itch to preempt what the states are doing. And when that moment arrives, we need to be ready with a solid core group of term limit supporters in Congress. And so we're seeing progress on both fronts. Congress took a big step forward this week and the state legislative process took a step forward. How many pledgers do we have in the U.S. Congress right now? You know the exact number, or at least roughly? I believe it's 100. Okay. I believe it's, it, it, it changes all the time because uh, sure, we're constantly does. adding new people. There's special elections in Congress and so on. I think the number is at 100. That doesn't mean every pledge signer is sponsoring the bill. Uh, we've still got a few scoff laws. We've still got a, a few holdouts. They're a minority, obviously, of all the pledge signers. But I think we've got about 100 in Congress, and I think we've got 750 people who have signed the state legislative pledge incumbents. Okay, that's great. One race that we have commented on during our podcasts that I find really interesting is down in Texas with incumbent um, Henry Cuellar and the challenger, the progressive uh, Jessica Cisneros. And uh, in that case, Cisneros, the challenger, is a pledge signer, and and Henry Cuellar, the incumbent, is not. And that one is... Last I heard, it was about 300 votes separating the two, and she's calling for a recount, uh, which is she can, and uh, to make sure that it's right. And boy, that's that's a nail biter. It is, and uh, you know we're going to have to monitor that recount and see what happens. But um, you have to think, if not for Jessica Cisneros being the pro-term limits candidate, and if not for groups like U.S. term limits doing so much to make the primary voters aware of that, I don't think the race would be this close. Because on paper, uh, look at Henry Cuellar. He's an incumbent. I think he's been in Congress for at least 12 years. You know, those guys are usually invincible. They're bulletproof. They're like Iron Man. They don't lose. They don't They don't have close primaries. This is definitely an anomaly. And I think Cisneros kind of brandishing her her outsider credentials, her anti-establishment, anti-Washington credentials by signing the USTL pledge and being outspoken on term limits, I think it played a big role in this race. Mm-hmm. I saw some polling that suggested that as well. The voters that uh, knew that she was voting for or had signed the pledge were more likely to vote for her. So, all right, it's exciting stuff. Well, I guess we'll know the answer to that one by next week's podcast. Uh, but it looks like it was a good week for, for the term limits movement. We will. And I'll say this, too. If uh, Henry Cuellar manages to hold on in that election, the general election is not a layup anymore in that part of Texas. That is going to be a competitive general election. So Henry Cuellar is not out of the woods yet. And his Republican opponent has also signed the U.S. term limits pledge. So even if he's able to survive the challenge from Cisneros, he might still lose to a term limits advocate in November. We'll see. Okay. Just real quick thing I wanted to say, let's just give credit where credit is due. Uh, 
this is all a product of our pledge team. They're doing the hard work. They're contacting these candidates every single day, making the phone calls, sending emails, sending Facebook messages to track down these pledges. And it's showing up at public events. I've seen a lot of the, the messages back and forth. They'll be speaking. Some of these candidates or politicians will be speaking at a public event, and our our team members will show up and you know raise their hands and show up afterwards with copies of the pledge and really uh, um, shout out you know, really shout out to uh, U.S. Term Limits Hall of Famer John Hallman who uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago stood up at a meeting in Central Florida and got a congressional pledge from Corey Mills who's uh, one of the top candidates in in the Florida Seventh District congressional primary. We don't have primaries in Florida until August, but it, you know it's still great to see activists stepping up and doing that. It's great to see volunteers like your dad, George Blue. I was just about to say, um, he came home with two pledges. Uh, he went to go see a candidate debate recently in his congressional district and, and came home with the two signed pledges. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dad. George Blumel probably holds the all-time record for most pledges brought in. He's like the Hank Aaron of term limits <laughs> pledges. I, I think his record I will stand forever. We'll see. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Thank you, everybody, and see you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The term limits convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the term limits movement. To check on the status of the Turn Limits Convention resolution in your state, go to turnlimits.com slash takeaction. There, you will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a Take Action button by your state. Click it. This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's turnlimits.com slash takeaction. If your state has already passed the Turn Limits Convention resolution, or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help. Please consider making a contribution to U.S. Term Limits. It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate. termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. USTL.